Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We did it. I still can't believe we got this project done so fast and so well. When I'm in New York. I'm in Chicago. And I'm in L.A. But we're making it happen in Miro. Together. Our best work just happens faster on Miro's collaborative online whiteboard. No more scheduling meeting after meeting for work that could happen from anywhere. Whether it's getting design feedback here, mapping timelines here, or brainstorming next steps here. It all just happens on the Miro board. Exactly. And it's nice not having to wait an entire day to get sign off from this guy. Hey! Well, it is true. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com. The first three boards are free forever. That's Miro.com. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to the Leading Edge Cricket Podcast. Today we've got three huge days of cricket to review, particularly getting into crunch time around Group A and two fantastic games of cricket we have seen today. I am Rob. I'm joined by the pumpkin hoarder himself, Rich. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've been relegated to the pumpkin room, so they haven't been carved up yet. Soup's coming. I like. I like how you've actually got a pumpkin room as well. <laughs> I don't think Who it's quite has a pumpkin it's, room. It's not. It's not officially known as the pumpkin room. <laughs> I like it. So, so you're going to be in a, a pretty chipper mood because you've just told me Forrester's won, so you've had a good day out. Bit of podcasting to do. We're gonna we're gonna work our way through this. So we're gonna start three days ago where it's Australia versus Bangladesh and we're going to work our way up to what has just gone on today, two fantastic games of cricket. And I keep saying it's a very, very good competition. I saw something on Sky Sports today and it was going, oh, it's not that good a competition. There's not that many runs. There's some one side again. Actually, I feel like we're seeing some fantastic cricket time and time again. That's ridiculous. No, we've said this last time. It's been a really good competition. I think if, if people are just watching the game wrong, if they think that this is not a good competition. So I don't believe that's just nonsense, isn't it? There's a lot of spouting nonsense coming on from some of these pundits. So. Nonsensical, mate. Very nonsensical. Right. So let, right. let's roll let's roll back. 
Aussies, mm-hmm. Bangladesh. We're sat at this point in time where it is a shootout between Australia mm. and South Africa, which is where we're going to finish today's episode. But this was kind of the, the preamble for what was going to continue. Yeah. And it was all about trying to evolve net run rate. Exactly. Yeah. It's how did they get here? Um, yeah. So, so Bangladesh. Uh, sorry, just one sec. Rob, you turn me down a bit at your end. I'm getting an echo coming through here. So if that's all right, my boy. Don't, don't. And Thank don't. you very much. Sorry about that, people. So Bangladesh, they finished the World Cup run with a 50 feet in a row, didn't they? Poor old Bangladesh. Um had to be said that this this is a very improving Australia team. They didn't start particularly strongly, did they? But they looked stronger and stronger every game. Um, they skittled the Tigers for just 85 in 15 overs in this game. Uh, one run improvement, if you remember, on the last out and against South Africa for Bangladesh. So that's progress. Maybe, maybe not. We'll call it progress anyway. Um, Leggy Adam Zampa was a star turn, taking a competition best five for 19 off his four overs in this one. Uh, the Seamers did pretty well too, though, with Mitch Stark claiming two for 21 off his four and Josh Hazelwood looking very, very good, two for eight off two. Um, not much to report, obviously, in an 85 all-out uh, batting card, um, especially once it reduced to five for 33. Only three players made double figures, Rob. Mohamed Name, 17. Captain Mamadullah, 16. I think his first name is Captain, isn't it, Mamadullah? Um, I'm pretty sure that's the case. Um, and Shamim Hussain, 19 as well. So, yeah, uh, not, a, not a great performance. I think the moment of the innings for me was seeing, he, was it Matthew Wade who dropped to catch off Zampa, which would have been his hat-trick ball, and hearing Zampa on the stump, camp, uh, stump microphone just going, that was my hat-trick. <laughs> so, I did enjoy that. Um, quickly, so let's get right through this. In reply, look, captain and opener Aaron Finch took a very, very sharp 40 off just 20 balls with the recalled Mitch Marsh. Where's he been? He was so good in the one-day stuff in the uh, warm-up game. Um, he finished unbeaten on 16 off just the five balls. That's all he needs uh, to see the Aussies home for their third win. At this point, it put them in second spot. Level on South Africa going into their final games. Um, we've got to give credit to Australia for this performance, obviously. Uh, the Bangladesh side that will need to do some soul searches. It's not just been the defeats, but the manner of some of these defeats, I think, that's been really, really... Um, Really kind of upsetting, I think, for Bangladeshi fans. Um, yeah. Obviously, missing Shakib Alassan in the last games, the last two games has certainly not helped as he's been on solid form. But, it's, you know, they're going to feel that this is a pretty lacklustre end to what began, what started as a pretty promising little uh, World Cup run, wasn't it, with the qualifiers? So, great mm-hmm. stuff for Australia. But Bangladesh, I think their fans are going to be really, really upset with the, uh, the showing of, of, you know, what, what Bangladesh have put on, put in front of us. Yeah, I, I agree, mate. I'll start with the positives. Adam Zampa mm. is one of the best bowlers in this tournament, hands down. Yes. The middle overs of this competition belong to Adam Zampa. Ten wickets in the competition so far in the middle overs. This five for 19 here. He went around the park a little bit against England, but that doesn't make him unique. That just makes him part of everyone else that seems to do the same. <laughs> Two for 12 against Sri Lanka. Two for 21 against Australia. He dots people up. He's hard to get away and he keeps picking up niggling wickets. He's doing the exact same role that Adil Rashid's done for England for many a year and he's doing it high class. If I'm Bangladesh, I go, I showed promise. I showed we're better than associate nations. And then Mm -hmm. we've come up against the real top teams in a difficult group, but they're both Mm -hmm. difficult groups for different reasons. Yeah. And we've just not performed. We've not been good enough. We've not been good enough with bat. We've not been good enough with ball. And we've not been good enough in the field. So it's, I don't know. I like to feel optimistic about smaller nations and teams mm. lower down the, the rankings. But for Bangladesh, this is a, it's, it's quite a tough one to take. There's good players, but they yeah. haven't executed well at big times. 
Yeah, there's some players that did start, you know, pretty well, didn't they? I have a name at the top of the order here. He struck a couple of 50s. He looked really good. Shakib's obviously done really well with bat and ball. Um, Mushfiq Rahim at, at times as well looks okay with the bat. But they've just not done it consistently enough. And you cannot keep getting skittled for scores of less than 100 and expect people to be satisfied. It's just not good enough. Um, so, you know, like you, we both like to be really positive for these nations. I would like to bang with us. We want to see them coming back up. Uh, but at the moment, they're in a bit of a shambles. Um, and we'll see where they go from that. Maybe they just ran out of steam, perhaps, didn't they, um, in this competition? And it's a very, very good Australian team, which we will talk about in a little bit uh, later. So, West Indies, Sri Lanka, the next game, Rob. Let's get onto this one. Uh, I think we can call it a very disappointing and frustrating, frustrating T20 World Cup for Windies. And that continued in this game as they slumped to a third defeat in four games. Um, this time at the hands of a very, very deserving Sri Lankan side that we are pretty excited about. Um, so, the first innings total of 189 for three for Sri Lanka proved just too much uh, for the men from the Caribbean as they fell 20 runs short in the chase. Sri Lanka, again, really impressive with the bat. Openers, Patham Nisanka hit 51 of 41. Kusal Pereira, 29 for 21. He's been a bit quiet, but he, he put himself together a little knock there. Um, and once again, the impressive little left-hander, Sharif Asalanka, he was superb. He top scored with 68 off 41. Uh, skipper Dasan Shanaka finished uh, unbeaten on 25 of 14, although he was dropped on one. Catches win matches, people. Come on. Uh, <laughs> with, with the ball, Dre Russ led the way. Two for 33 for him, uh, with the only wicket, other wicket coming from Dwayne Bravo. So let's get on to the other side of it. So this is where it was won, obviously. It was great target to um, to set for Sri Lanka, but it was, it was the bowlers that got them got in the win. Um, and in the chase, the, so for West Indies, a super talented Shimron Hetmai did all he could to be the hero of the day, didn't they? This was a stunning knock. Um, in a losing cause. So he's unbeaten 81 or 54 balls. Eight fours, four sixes. Just incredible knock, but it was just not enough. As, it, as Pretty much the only other contributor was Nicholas Perrin's 46 and 34. It's just so frustrating when you've got a bloke at one end, 81 or 54, and nobody else is sticking with him as, as you get through the middle and the tail. Um, no one even made double figures apart from those two, which is just not good enough. Uh, but credit the Sri Lankan bowlers, Okay. Um, while West Indies, we feel frustrated, obviously, like I say, credit has to go to Sri Lanka. Wanadu Hasaranga de Silva, we keep talking about that man, Rob. He's back again. He started with the ball, two for 19 off his four overs, including up, cleaning up uh, West Indies skipper Karen Pollard first ball. That helps. Uh, Benaro Fernando, the big guy, he took two wickets, both coming in the same over, and Chamika Karuna Ratner also got himself two, whilst just Mantha Chimera and Captain Dashan Shanaka both grabbed one apiece. So a really positive end for the, what I want to call resurgent Sri Lankan side. Um, saw them win twice in the Super 12 after they went unbeaten in the qualifying group. As for Windies, tough, tough competition. And like Bangladesh, it's back to the drawing board, isn't it? You know, one more game to come at this point, but I think they're going to be thinking it's, it's you know, how many of these players are going to be, you know, at the next competition? Some yeah. of these big names. It's it's a hard one for, for them to take, in my mm. opinion. Because they have been pretty good throughout. Their yeah. batting was okay in, in mm. quite a few periods. They scored well against pace bowlers and they scored quickly against spinners. And this is not including the Associate Nation games in the qualifying mm. stages, which they were too good for. The, the problem for me comes down to the pace bowling hasn't been good enough, consistent enough to actually go and try and win games of cricket against good quality teams. They've gone around the park a little bit too much and they've backed themselves into the corner. The spin bowling attack we know is excellent, mm. but that only makes up a certain proportion of the overs that the guys are bowling. Mm. You still need to bowl your seamers from somewhere, and the seamers haven't been good enough for up to the same speed. Now, we have seen pace bowlers go around the pot more in this competition, but Sri Lanka are just slightly worse than anyone else in, in the 
uh, <laughs> seam bowling department, but they're not a million miles off. They're not the team that's come into this World Cup with the worst record since the last T20 World Cup because that's what they were coming in. They're a better team than that. The West Indies, I'm scratching my head a little bit. It depends where you sit on the West Indies, how your outlook is. Mm. If you're mad keen on West Indies cricket, you're a West Indies cricket fan, you're probably sat there going, great, all these superstars of yesteryear are finally starting to dwindle away and we're going to have an excitement and new players Mm. coming through, giving opportunities to play in this sort of competition. So you might look at it like that or you might go, actually, the, the dynasty that we've had over the last 10, 12 years of international cricket is starting to come to an end and it's quite a scary point going forward. Yeah, it's all about who's going to re- replace them, isn't it? That's the point. It's like Sri Lanka. They lost so many quality players, like world-class elite players at the same time. West Indies are potentially going to be doing the same thing. But they do have the likes of Evan Lewis. They do have Shimron Hetmeyer. They do have Nicholas Perrin. They have got some young talent coming through. And with the ball, you know, Akil Hussain and others, there is some ability there. Obviously, that's you know the seam attack. There's, there's a few knocking about. Um, but this tournament, it just I, I honestly thought that they would be the team that goes through, um, yeah. potentially, um, with England. So it's really, really disappointing for me uh, to see what's happened to this Wednesday in this team. One win in four games, two points. That's all they've got to show for it. It's, it's not enough, is it? It's, and the competition deserved a good West Indies team as well. We've just not had that excitement that they usually bring. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is a shame. Mm. The, the one player I want to call out from both teams who... He's not gone under the radar, but because mm. other players score better runs and faster runs and hit more sixes, he does go under the radar. And you mentioned him. Asalanka's been superb. 80 not out against Bangladesh, 35 against the Aussies, 21 against Australia against South Africa and England, and 68 here. He has been absolutely phenomenal in this competition. And he's he's right up there with mm. you know the the best players at the you know start and middle overs of the game throughout the competition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's been solid. And it's really good to see that Sri Lanka have got some players that they can build around as well, isn't it, now going forward? A yep. um, bit of hope back in the uh, Sri Lankan camp. Um, let's jump away from Group A. Let's get into Group B. We had two games on Friday, New Zealand, Namibia, India, Scotland. You would expect the, the, the wins to go the way <laughs> you would expect. Um, and that's exactly what happened, didn't it? A convincing win for New Zealand against the Namibian side that I think, once again, though, they're going to be relatively proud of their effort. As the, but they were beaten by a margin of 52 runs. So a really, really solid win for New Zealand. Uh, they amassed 163 for four. Steady contribution from the top four. And then excellent unbeaten knocks from Man of the Match, Jimmy Nish from 35 off 23. And Glenn Phillips, 39 off 21. Starting to see a bit of what he's all about. Uh, Bernard Schultz, uh, one for 15 for him. Skipper Gerard Erasmus, he got a wicket, as did the main man, David Weisser. Um, Namibia, again, this is something that they have done really, really well. They might not put big scores up, but they battered the 20 overs. Uh, it's like a, an old-fashioned losing draw team, isn't it? They're never, yeah. You can never bowl them out, but they're never going to win a game. Um, they, they, they finished on 111 for seven. Disappointed they couldn't go higher, especially after opening Stephen Bard and Michael Van Lingen got up to 47 before the first wicket fell. So really frustrating from them in that respect. Uh, Van Lingen top scored with 25 before Nisham got one through his defences to clean him up. Um, once the openers fell, it was steady procession of wickets, wasn't it? Uh, was, you know, New Zealand claimed a win that never looked in doubt, but Namibia did make them work for the full 20 overs for their victory. So at this point, then, New Zealand's second spot, their final game against Afghanistan coming up in what should be the game of the group stage in, in, both, in both groups. Um, as for Namibia, this was their last World Cup fixture. Sorry, their last World Cup fixture is the final group game as they will hope to shake things up against the reborn Indian side that are on a bit of a run. And we'll get to them very, very shortly. Mm. 
Um, mm, what did you bad. expect? You expect the Black Caps to go and win. The Black Caps yeah. went and won the game of cricket. There's nothing newsworthy about that. I think the thing for the Black Caps, which is going to make them feel pretty good, is Martin Guptill's got some runs in this competition. So has yeah. Daryl Mitchell. Kane Williamson, yeah. Devon Conway knocking it around a strike rate of 88 during those middle overs. Not quite good enough. But the end is what's going to excite them. They've, their game plan is knock it around in the middle overs and have the big boys coming in and smack it. And Glenn Phillips, 39 of 21, got his time in way better than the last game where he ran Martin Guptill into the ground so he couldn't get 100 because he couldn't get it off the square. And Jimmy Neath, 35 off 23. That finish, a strike rate of 240 to finish the innings, is what basically solidified the win. If they'd gone on and scored at a 100 or 120 strike rate, they're chasing 140 and it becomes a really even contest. But the Black Caps with the ball... Superb. One of the best teams in this competition, hands down, with their ability to restrict opposition with the ball. They did it in the one-day World Cup back in 2019, maybe it might have been. Mm. Everyone that they played against, they chase small amounts. And when they're setting scores, they don't need to set the world alight because the bowling attack is so consistent. And you saw it here. Mm. The seamers, 66 for 5 from the seam attack, going at a strike rate of 84. That's exceptional. Anything under 110 is exceptional. That's world-class. 42 for two from the spinners. This show, D, Mitch Santner. Mitch Santner is a very strange bowler in this competition. And the reason I say that, the reason I say that is because Mitchell Santner has got a fantastic economy rate, but does not look like taking a wicket so long he's got a ball in his hand. So <laughs> he, he can bowl dot balls, but he's not going to increase your strike rate of bowling and taking wickets. And likewise, a big worry for the Black Caps is Adam Milne's come into this attack. Now, he was a reserve, came in when Lockie Ferguson came in. Adam Milne is up there as being one of the worst bowlers in the competition. His economy rate is really, really high, and his strike rate is astronomical. And if you're watching on YouTube, there's a graphic, and you'll see one name right at the top. It's Adam Milne, who is a million miles behind absolutely anyone else. And that is a really, really big worry for the Black Caps going forward. That'd be great if that was a picture of a mountain, because Adam Milne's would be at the summit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Way to describe it if you're not the other way. Black Caps win, mate. You expect them to win. They were... Yeah. Clinical without being flashy, which is pretty yep. much how they play their cricket. They'd be the same against anyone else. Um, can they go and be it against Afghanistan? It's weird comparison potentially, but I'm starting to feel like New Zealand are like the Germany of uh, you know German German football team. They're like the Germany of uh, of, of cricket at the moment. Yeah. They're just ultra-organised, aren't they? They're just going about their business. Yeah, so good win for them. We'll talk about how, how Group B looks in a minute because it's really, really uh, finely balanced. Um, but let's just get India-Scotland out of the way first. India were on a run. Shocking start to this World Cup. As we all know, they lost the first two games, but they are now flying. Uh, Eight-wicket win uh, for this one. Scotland were dismissed with just 85. Very Bangladesh-esque, wasn't it? Uh, India knocked them off in just 6.3 overs. Net run rate perfection, lads. Uh, well battered. Um, this was clinical. This was superb. This was this was just brutal. Um, George Munsey, let's get into this. In his hundredth game for Scotland, started well, but after he was a second man out for twenty-four, things went downhill fast, didn't they? Uh, Callum McLeod, Michael Leask, and Mark Watt showed a bit of resistance in the middle order, but the Indian attack was relentless. Uh, JJ Bumrah, two for ten for him off three point two. 
And he made the earlier inroads, to, uh, you know, he took the first wicket and then he took the final wicket of the innings to wrap things up. In between Spinjo, Ravichandran Ashwan and Ravi Jadeja both took three wickets apiece, whereas Mohamed Shami took for three for 15 um, and a run out by subfielder Ishan Kishan rounded things out nicely. Um, so it, at this point, obviously, they're only chasing 85. India know what they need to do. And if they want to have any chance of qualifying, they have to win these games, this one and their final game, but they also have to make sure their run rate was king. Uh, an opening pair, Kale Rahul and Rohit Sharma, went off like trains. Uh, they were on 70 in five overs before Sharma was dismissed LBW by Brad Wheel. He went for 30 off 16, but then Kale Rahul just kept motoring on, didn't he? Um, hit a competition best uh, 19 ball 50, uh, although it was almost 56 as he tried to finish the game and start going over <laughs> long on. Um, but was caught by McLeod off Mark. What wonderful innings for him. Saw him hit nine boundaries, clearing the ropes on three occasions. Uh, Surya Kumar Yedav finished it off with a big six off Chris Greaves. That's the way to finish an innings to claim the expected but very important win that puts India up into third spot with just their game against Namibia to come. So I'll just quickly explain. So as we as we did explain in the last one, if New Zealand beat Afghanistan, which is coming up uh, tomorrow. As we're recording this, it's Sunday tomorrow. If New Zealand beat Afghanistan, the Kiwis go through. That's it. Conversation over. Pakistan through, New Zealand go through. But if Afghanistan win and then India win the final game, we're going to have a scenario where all three of those teams are going to finish on six points. So it's going to be all about net run rate. Yeah. And I'm, I've got to say, in this scenario... I know where my money's going. Yeah, exactly. It's going to India. That's a, a great segue to a slightly complicated graph. But essentially what you're seeing here is India have improved substantially Whoa. over the competition. And their total strike rate now sits at 144 in the competition, which is only marginally behind England, who are in first in this competition. Mm. I think the issue when you look at this Indian team, they've been fantastic. The blue line going up on an India is pace strike rate, 153, but they've only got a 112 strike rate against spin. So if you're going to attack the Indian team, it's got to be through spin. But they are the best power play batting unit in the competition all of a sudden. Turned it around mm. over the last few games, put themselves in a really good position. Likewise, if we touch on Scotland, on the left-hand graph, if you're watching on YouTube, They've got a 100 strike rate in the competition. You're not going to win any games of cricket <laughs> when you've got a 100 strike rate overall. That is made up of an 89 strike rate against seam bowling. Seam bowling has absolutely stifled them time and time mm. again throughout this competition and overall just made it very, very difficult. And I think the other thing to touch on India is their spin attack has been horrendous so far in this competition. Mm. Um this time around, they turned it around really, really well. 59 for four from the spinners. A really solid performance. You mm. expect India to win these games of cricket. You expect them to go and win well. Winning and knocking them off in six overs, I think, is uh, that's where it's a bit of a kick in the teeth for Scotland. who yeah. will be disappointed. Yeah, it's soul destroying for Scotland. And I'm sure India, if it wasn't for the, the situation they'd got themselves in, I'm sure India wouldn't have played the game in this way. It was it was it was a brutal attack, wasn't it? And, and it, yeah. it's not it isn't necessary for India to do that against Scotland unless you're absolutely behind it and you have to win all your games and you have to win them in absolute style. Um like we said, they've got Namibia to finish, haven't they? So you expect India to win that other game. As for Scotland, they, they come back and they're going to finish things off against Pakistan. So it doesn't get any easier. You would expect Pakistan to round this competition out with five wins in five games and finish as the only unbeaten team in the competition. 
Maybe, maybe not. Depending maybe. on England got on today. <laughs> I think we know. Um, so, yeah, so I don't see Scotland being able to put a dent in, in the Pakistan uh, record. And India, like I said, my money is now firmly in the Indian camp. I, I, unless, obviously, New Zealand do get that win. But if Afghanistan get the win, then absolutely. I, I, I worry for England in a little way um, in the qualifying, uh, sorry, in the knockout stage of this competition if Afghanistan win and if yeah. India get into that semi final. So, should we get on to how Group A has finished up today, Rob, with the last you games? We should. So huge, huge games, mate. So that's, that graphic is out of date. Um, huge yeah. game. It basically comes down to Australia versus South Africa in a shootout. Um, who's going to finish? If both teams yeah. win, who's going to finish on the high net run rate? Yeah, absolutely. And Australia, they backed themselves. They've been on a really good run of form. They went in unchanged and they claimed another win. That has to be said was a relative cruise, wasn't it, for the Aussies? Yeah. A Caribbean cruise. There you go, if you're a headline writer. Um, they won by eight wickets, thanks in large part to a superb 89 not out for David Warner. Um, he, he found it, it was tough going, wasn't it, early on? He was talking about whether or not he'd keep his spot in the team. It, such was his bad form. Uh, but he's firing now uh, with this one. And he got them over the line and passed that 158 target that the West Indies had set. Aussies did that in 16.2 overs. I'd say that that's a relative cruise. Um, so the Windies, they got 157 for seven. Karen Pollard, the captain, top scored with 44 off 31, whilst Evan Lewis... 29. Shimon Hetman had 27. Both uh, put up a bit uh, bit of resistance, didn't they? Josh Hayeswood led the Aussie ball in attack. Four for 39, but wickets each for Mitch Stark, Pat Cummins, and hero of the last out in Adam Zampa. Um, the reply was just ruthless. So we spoke about it for India, and Australia were exactly the same. They led the way, you know, he led the way 56 balls it took Warner to get to his 89. Mitch Marsh, he showed his stuff again. 53 off 32, uh, whilst Akil Hussain and Chris Gale claimed the two wickets. So the Aussies finished this group now with four wins and one defeat. That's eight points. And they had to wait then for the outcome of the England-South Africa result as it would obviously come down to net run rate if South Africa were to record a win against leaders England, Rob. Mm. So if you want to briefly touch on the Aussies and then we'll get straight into what happened in the South Africa-England game. Yeah, so Aussies, Mm. good. Aussies look like a very, very good cricket team at the moment. They've grown in confidence since that first game. And they're starting to look like a really good team. I think the thing when you analyse the performance was the control that they're getting from the spin bowling department is astronomical. We've talked on Adam Zampa being exceptional in those middle overs, 10 wickets leading the way in the competition. But it's just time and time again you're seeing it. And when they can get a couple of overs, maybe one, maybe two from a Glenn Maxwell in the middle that's not kind of blowing out the run rate, they become a very, very dangerous team because then it's not Mitchell Marsh having to bowl four overs. It's Mitchell Marsh just having to chip in with a couple. So it puts them in a, a really, really good position. They were incredible in those middle overs today. Dominated the West Indies 97 for one from over 17 to 15, a strike rate of 179. And, and this shows how strong that bowling unit is. I've said for a long time, this Australian bowling attack is one of the best in the world, regardless of format. But what you're seeing now is they've got the best strike rate from spin bowlers in the whole competition, just ahead of England and just ahead of Afghanistan. And you'll see New Zealand thrown into that lower quadrant of people that are good at strike rate of spin, strike rate of pace bowling. And the pace bowling isn't far off being exception as well with South Africa as being the best strike rate unit going around in the competition. So if I'm going into this semi-final and I'm Pakistan, 
if I'm playing against Australia, which we're about to touch on in a second, I would not want to play against this Australian team because they're coming red hot at the right time. And David Warner, let's make no mistake, the end of the IPL, I was wondering whether David Warner's career is on, on, on the bin. Like, he's stuck mm. in the mud, mate. Like, he can't score runs in the IPL. He, yeah. Stuart Broad's got him in his left pocket still from two years ago. <laughs> is he going to play in the Ashes? And now we're seeing David Warner turn up and go, actually, I can stand there, I can hit. Um, yeah. I don't like it when I see David Warner go down on one knee and try and reverse sweep stuff. I just like <laughs> David Warner to hit the ball. And we saw his 65 against Sri Lanka, his 89 mm. against the West Indies. David Warner's coming good at the right time. So are the Aussies which is always horrendous for world cricket because that means we've got to watch a good Aussie team again. <laughs> this winter's getting interesting, isn't it? Um, yeah, the Aussies are looking strong, aren't they? I really like that Mitch Marsh has got himself back in there and he's quite high up the order as well, isn't he? He was batting at three or four. Yeah. Um, he's a big player for them and he seems to have hit a really, really good um, seam of form um, in the last few uh, few weeks, month or so. So he's another player that's going to add to them. Bowling attack looks quality, doesn't it? It's just world class. Yeah. They're a danger. But did they make it, Rob? Did they qualify for the, um, the next stage? That's the big question. Let's answer that now. So let's get on to it. England-South Africa was the final game that we, we need to run through. Um, and despite South Africa claiming a brilliant 10-run win over England in this one, their net run rate was just not good enough as they've missed out on qualifying for the semi-finals. They've been pipped by Australia into second place after both teams finished on eight points, which is also the number of points that England finished on. Obviously, four wins and a defeat for all of the teams up there. Um, really, really tough going there for South Africa. Um, but let's get on to this game first before we start having uh, passing our sympathies on to them. Um, so Moeen Ali grabbed the early wicket of Reza Hendricks. It looked good at that point. But for England, enter Rassi van der Dusen. Um, he struck a fantastic unbeaten 94 off just 60 balls. Um, Quinton de Karkis fell over. He got uh, sorry, the, the other opener. He got 34. Whilst Aidan Markham came in and supported Van der Dusen brilliantly through to the end of the innings. A wonderful half century for Markham. His one 52 off uh, 25 in total. His 50 coming in 24 balls. One ball quicker than his previous 50 uh, that he got a couple of games back. Um, only Moen Ali and Ali Rashid took a wicket for England, who are all were on the receiving end of some fantastic and pretty brutal, but quite controlled hitting. Mm. Um, it's got to be said, there were some really, really good cricket shots. It wasn't just slogging. Really good knocks from uh, from Van der Dusen and Markram. And I'm, I'm really pleased to see Markram looking so good in this competition. Um, so in reply, England made a really, really solid start, but Jason Roy had to retire her. He was in a lot of pain, wasn't he? Um, we don't know exactly what it is. We think it might be a hamstring, uh, but he was helped off the field. Um, and that's a, that's a big worry. We'll talk about that at the end of this um, summary. Um, fellow opener, Josh Butler, went for 26 uh, off, off uh, 15 balls. Caught Bavuma off the ball of Andrich Nokia. Uh, Bairstow came and went, but the middle order of Moen Ali, 37 or 27. David Milani got 30. Liam Livingston, 28 or 17. They kept the chase alive. Owen Morgan was there as well, 17 off 12. He tried as well. England kept going, didn't they? They kept going, but they just couldn't. Sava kept chipping away. And I, th I think England just couldn't get that partnership going. Um, it didn't help um, as well that Kagisa Rabada got himself a hat-trick in his final over, taking Wokes, Morgan and Jordan in three balls. Um, so 179 for eight in the end for England, 10 runs short. Rabada, three for 48. Um, made his figures look a hell of a lot better because 48 or four overs is not Rabada-esque, is it? Uh, Dwayne Pretorius took two for 30 off his three overs and Shamsi uh, got himself two for 24. So a fantastic win for this South African team that, are, that were improving, but they just didn't get it going in the right direction quick enough, did they? Um, and, and we were a little bit concerned about the way they were going out after their chases. They, and it came down to net run rate, basically, in the end. England's was superior, thankfully. 
Um, didn't panic about this at all, honest. Um, and Australia's was just good enough, and I'm sure you'll show the table in a minute, uh, just to see that they did pip them by about half a half a point net run rate, didn't they? Yeah. Um, this was such a good game of cricket. Mm. Uh, Mr. Commentator's getting it wrong. This is a fine competition, and this was a fine right. game of cricket. You look at it, you're coming out, and I'm, I'm skipping forward to the end here, but 15 overs down, you're at the middle overs. Mm. South Africa, 118 for two. England, 125 for three. It is game on. 16th over, South Africa went massive. Three sixes off mm. that Chris Wokes over. Liam yes. Livingston hit three sixes in the same over off Rabada. Puts England <laughs> in front. You go to the 17th over. England are still five runs in front, but they lose a wicket. The two wickets behind where South Africa was, and it was the final two overs, which was real the nail in the coffin, because after 18 overs, England still had a five-run advantage on where South Africa was. South Africa hit three sixes in the final two overs. England hit three fielders on the boundary <laughs> in the final over. And that is the crux of why England yep. lost. Just that exact moment. Also, Owen Morgan does come under stick, but we give him praise when he gets it right. Mm. And I don't think he quite got it right today. And... The reason I say that mm. is I feel we should have bowled more spin. We bowled seam. Mm. The seamers went at a strike rate of 169 for England, 112 for six. Yes, they picked up wickets, but yes, they went round the park. The spinners went at a strike rate of 120. That's quite a big difference between the two. And I feel we left some overs out there that we potentially could have gone and used <laughs> In, instead for me, Moeen bowled four, Adil Rashid bowled mm. four, but Livingston's been great in this competition. Yeah. If you turn that around and you're gone, you know what, we'd had a couple more overs of spin, it potentially mm. might have been chasing 200. But likewise, you might have been chasing 170 instead. So I, I just look at this and I go, it's, it's just a brilliant game of cricket played by two fantastic teams. Um, and I, th I think the mm. thing that goes under the radar is Van der Dusen scored 100 in the warm-up against Pakistan was great. You see the graphic on screen for those on YouTube. Joss Butler's the best player in the competition. He's scoring at a massively high strike rate, most runs. Then you've got Rizwam and Azam from the Pakistan team and David Warner. The fifth and sixth best player in the competition is in terms of batting, which is scoring above the average strike rate and scoring more than the average runs, is Van der Dusen and Markram. They have been superb for this South African team. And put that alongside their incredibly measly bowling attack Mm. which is exceptional. It is a very, very exceptional <laughs> bowling attack who can just turn up, get it done, not have a problem at all. I think it's a shame for the competition that they're not going to be in the semi-finals because Pretorius has been pretty much the best mm. bowler in the death throughout the competition. Nortiger, who's got several pronunciations of his name, has been pretty <laughs> much the best bowler in, in the power play. Um, yeah. And Rabard is always exciting to watch, even though a few mm. times in this competition people have got hold of him. He still can pick mm. up wickets. He's still fiery. I, I feel they're too good a team to be out at this stage of the competition. And I'll, I'll go out there and say if the Black Caps go through in the semi-final, I feel the South African team's better than the Black Caps. And yeah. one of the better teams in the competition isn't it, in the semis. Yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, if you go into, if you if you said at the start of this group competition, you're going to play five games, you're going to win four and lose one you're going to expect to go through, aren't you? Yeah. It's simple as that. If you're only dropping one game, um, and all credit to South Africa, they've looked a good unit. It's just the way it is. In, in the format of this competition, some, there's only two teams in each, each group have, can go through. 
that's it. You know, run rate was there. They'll, they'll, they'll kind of kick themselves a bit, won't they? That they didn't go a bit quicker. They didn't go harder at it um, in certain situations. Um, but it is what it is. Um, sorry, some, you know, sad for South Africa, but England deserved it. it. They just weren't quite on the game today. And like you said, the difference between a win and a loss was was hitting the guys on the field rather than hitting the or clearing the rope. Um, it's interesting just what you were talking about with the, the bowling attack. It seems bizarre that Livingston didn't bowl today. Only yeah. one six went off, you know, the eight overs of the spin of Adil Rashid and Moeen Ali. You look at that, there's another seven, there's another nine sixes, and that's off Wokes, Jordan and Wood. Um, yeah. I didn't get a chance to watch uh, this game because obviously I was, I was at the football this afternoon. But, you know, you look at this and it's like something's not quite right. No, Livingston obviously doesn't look right. Wood, talk to me about Mark Wood. Obviously, he came in for the injured Timor Mills, so Wood was the obvious man to come in. How did he go? He, he went for 47 off his four overs. Is that reflective of Harry Bold, or is that, um, or was he a little bit unfortunate? I think at times England were unfortunate. There was quite a few edges flying down to the boundary for four and things mm. like that, but I just, I just don't feel he's the right bowler for T20 cricket. I don't feel his variations mm. are good enough. You watched him bowling slower balls. And he, he bowls a little cutter where he rolls his hands on it. But he bowled it halfway down. Yeah. Uh, you're bowling halfway down with pretty short boundaries and the ball's going 96 metres into the stands. It's, <laughs> that's, that's one delivery out of his Yikes. spell. But for me, yeah. it's the wrong guy. And I, I think there's a, there's a reason you've seen a, 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 a huge shift in where England's bowling performance was to where it is now. And that's the, the missing mills that's no longer mm. part of this team at the moment, which I think is a little mm. bit of a shame because he gives you yeah. stability. He gives you quality variations. The the variation distance, so he bowls ultra fast, but his slower ball is ultra mm. slow. And that is really, really hard for a batsman to contend yeah. with. It's not like a five-mile-an-hour yeah. difference. It's about right. a 15-, 20-mile-an-hour difference. So if you're off time of it, you don't pick it, you're in a really difficult situation where you need a Rishabh pant one handful mm. extension to try and finish the <laughs> shot and get it over the stands. Yeah, and, and they were well-disguised slow balls as well, weren't they? There was a real subtlety to Mills. I mean, he's an absolute class performer in T20 format. So he's a huge, huge miss. I hope Wood can get it right. I wonder if they'll be brave and go Reese Topley in the semi-final. Uh, but we'll see. That's going to be a brave, brave move. Um, is it coming home, Rob? Something is it coming home? Um, I don't know. I actually think... Whoever winds up, if India wind up in the semi-final and you've got Uh, Australia, Pakistan, (laughs) England. Wow. um, And whoever, the big four. You've got got the big four team. I think that is incredibly hard to tell. The fact that South Africa has just turned up and rolled England and we've been going, well, England are the best team in the competition kind of puts it, you know, it's it's what happens on the day. What happens? Mm. Does... Joss Butler hit a fielder at mid-off or does it go just over him? You know, they're the margins that you're talking Mm. about in cricket. And are you good enough to go and take your chances when they come? Because if the answer is no, well, you're you're not going to be doing very good. I think the thing with South Africa going out is their batting strike rate against pace bowling was not very good throughout the whole competition. It was good, but it wasn't exceptional compared to the others. And if you're going to look at go, why did South Africa go out? Mm. The batting didn't back up the bowling good enough. Against spin, Mm. they were great. Fourth best in the competition out of this Super 12 stage. But pace bowling, they didn't quite get it going um, enough. The the other one I want to say, and we touched on Nortiger, and Mm. I've got a graph. It's not on screen, but basically it shows the economy rate of bowlers 
with the strike rate of bowlers. And Mujib or Roman, who hopefully will be back for the Black Caps game, <clears throat> number one, great butchering yep. of his name, second best bowler <laughs> in the competition is Nortiger. It's about a 4.5 to a 5 economy rate throughout the whole competition. He's bowled at the start, the middle, the death, and he's got a lot of wickets as well. Mm. That's probably the best seamer in the competition that isn't going to go and play in the semi-final. Naughty numbers then from Nokia, Nokia, Naughty. Naughty, very, very <laughs> Let's naughty. Let's call him Naughty. Yeah, let's naughty. call him Naughty. So, yeah, so, I mean, you could argue, not going to dwell on this any longer, but you could argue that if this was one game longer, this competition, South Africa would probably find themselves qualifying. They yeah. seem to be a team that's really picked up some speed, got a, got a head of pace, whatever you want to call it, and they could have driven themselves forward into the uh, the, the knockout stage. But it is what it is. England, Australia go through. Pakistan, New Zealand looking like they're the teams that will go through. It's at least it's in New Zealand's hands at the moment. But if they do drop that game against Afghanistan, it is all to play for with those teams. Um, let's finish off with England, though, Rob. Big, big news, obviously, of this game. England have already had the, the issues with this squad. Sam Curran had to pull out, didn't he? He was replaced by Tom Curran. Uh, Timur Mills went out. He was replaced by Reese Topley. The squad doesn't have much cover now. With Jason Roy, you would imagine, seeing him on crutches at the end of the game, yeah. you would imagine he is missing the competition. I think there was, he was potentially in tears, wasn't he, at one point? Um, he knows the severity of the injury. We all know ourselves if, if a hamstring or something goes, you know you're done. Uh, so Roy goes. Sam Billings is the only man in the squad that's batting cover. You've got David Willey, yeah. Tom Curran and Reese Topley as the other members of the squad. Um, so I, I assume England are allowed to call somebody up. I assume. I, I think. I hope. they have. A, I don't see why not. I mean, at other points of the competition you have. So yeah. if England can bring somebody up a cover, because I'm not quite sure I want Billings in the team. Maybe they rejig it in a different way. Um, but if uh, if it's not Billings, then who is it, Rob? I've got a certain name I'd like to just throw in first. Um, if, I if, it, if it's me, uh, I don't know who the... I can't remember who the reserves can are. Can I say it? Can I say go, it? Go on. Alex Hales, get him in, Owen. <laughs> get on the phone, Alex. Come on, get Hales in. <laughs> oh, what a comeback that would be. Come Coming in and win the semi-final and final for England. Um, 100 up in the semis, 50 in the final. There we go. Everyone's happy. I can't happy. remember <laughs> who the reserves are from the teammate to say who it would be. If it was me, I'd bring Billings in in the middle order because he can go and he does yeah, play yeah. spin well and he can play seam well and he can score quickly, can run well, mm. field well, does a lot of things well. He's yeah, good he's at cricket in the England team. He's and a good I, cricketer. He's a good <laughs> cricketer. Be- mm. Best to open. World yep. class. Opener. Yep. I still find it hard to fathom that he's not opening for this England team, and that's purely yep. because of how good Roy and Butler have been. But he's a world class opener. He uh, opens well in the IPL when he plays and or when he opens, and he opens well in one day cricket. Natural guy going, but for England, this is difficult. Two games mm. they've lost potentially their best bowler in the competition so far, especially in terms yep. of being a seam bowler. Um, Mills yep, has been definitely. absolute world class. And now they've lost a key cornerstone opener to their team. Yeah. It's like, where, it's, do you, it's huge. where do you go now? It's tough, isn't it? It's a really tough break for them. I mean, like we spoke about David Warner, you could speak the same about Jason Roy, couldn't you? Come into the competition with a bit of a question mark over him. He's not quite the same player he used to be in his performances, but he was starting to show that again, wasn't he? He was starting to, to kind of hit his stride again. So it's a massive, massive loss. I think Bearstow going up is going to cover that over. More responsibility on Morgan. He's going to have to get himself front and front and centre now, isn't he? More responsibility on Liam Livingston. He was he was trying to hit the ball home today, wasn't he? I think it was yeah. one bounce and in his back garden. 
Um, so, you know, there, there are players that need to step up and it's going to have to be a rejig of that middle order, isn't it? Like you say, Billing is coming in a bit later on or potentially uh, one of the one of the bowlers. Maybe David Willey could come in. He can strike a good ball. So at least he's there with the bat as well. And it gives them that left arm option if they choose to stay with Wood rather than swap, swapping out Wood for Topley. So big question marks with England selectors. Um, it'd be really interesting to see which way they go. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, we keep saying it. Bring it on. Really looking forward to uh, what comes next. Um, but England in the semi-finals is a guarantee, and we'll see if they see the Aussies in the final. When you're going into the semi-finals, you want to have momentum, and I feel mm. like England have had that momentum bubble burst. Tyrone yeah. Mills has been expensive in this competition. He's got an economy rate of eight, but his strike rate is the best out of an England bowler, so he's always taking mm. wickets. He'll go for a four or a six in the over, but mm. he's going to get you a wicket, which is going to stop things. Alternatively, you can look at Chris Wokes's projection, who is currently the worst bowler in this England setup throughout the competition. He has mm. been pretty abysmal. His strike rate is the worst out of the England bowlers, and his economy rate is second worst. Mm. Livingston, for what it's worth, his economy rate is the second best out of England bowlers and should have bowled today. And I'm going to, that's, that's the hill that I'm going to die on today. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll um, once we get through the, uh, the games over the weekend, obviously, you know, the, group, the finish off of, um, of Group B. Um, we'll have to jump on and um, obviously talk about the, 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 who's in the semi-finals, who's playing who, and just a little bit more about what we think the England setup might be or the England team might be, um, yeah. especially if they do bring somebody in. Um, but yeah, there's, there's options there, isn't it? And yes, Livingston should have bowled today. Should have bowled. Um, final stop. predictions. Final predictions for the last uh, last big games of cricket. New Zealand, Afghanistan. Oh, the competition needs uh, Afghanistan to beat New Zealand just to make it an absolute nail-biting finish. Um, but I think New Zealand get the win. I think they just have enough to get over Afghanistan and this yeah. is all null and void. So then it'd be England, Australia, Pakistan, New Zealand, where they are at the moment. Um, and yeah, shake it out from there. I, I agree. I think Southie, Santner, even though he doesn't take wickets, has been exceptionally good going under six. Southie under six. Jimmy Neesham, you're getting under six and over. Trent Bolt, six and a bit. Ish Sodi picks up wickets and doesn't go for over eight. However, he's got concussion protocol going on after getting hit Ooh, by a ball okay. straight back in his face. Adam oh, Milne's the one for me. Afghanistan's bowling lineup, if the spinners do well. So Majid mm. bowls really well. Rashid yep. Khan bowls really well. Mohamed Nabi has been absolutely horrendous in this competition, going at almost <laughs> nine. Um, easy for me to say from the podcast seat. That's 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 the thing. How do Kiwis play against spin? Um, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting game of cricket. So we'll be back at the end of that, and we'll do some preview pods for semi-finals and all that jazz and excitement coming mm. up. Rich, thank you so much for your time, mate. It's mm -hmm. a, it is a really exciting World Cup. Sky Sports yeah. commentators telling us it's a crap World Cup. It's an absolutely brilliant World Cup with some absolutely fantastic cricket <laughs> and some uh, okay podcasting going on. So we'll catch you guys next time. <laughs>